you're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. Struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. So you know how you text your friends and ask them what not to wear on the first date or how not to respond to a text from your crush or possibly, you know, have them weigh in on whether you should not post a certain pic on the socials? Yeah, well, that's what we call your village. And we think that you can't date or relate without them. Join our village because we're serving you expert guests who are filled with tips and tricks that will take some of the guessing out of the game. And make sure you subscribe and share our pod with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. Ghosting. We've all been ghosted, and we've all been the ghoster. It really doesn't feel good to be on either side, honestly. When someone just disappears, it can cause a ton of insecure thoughts and make it scary to jump back into the dating pool. And when you are doing the ghosting, it ends up making you feel a bit guilty and like you're not going to have good karma. If all of this strife comes from merely not texting or calling someone back, then why do we all keep doing it? Is it really that big of a deal to let someone down easy? Are we all just finding things to complain about or is there a reason ghosting happens and should we be finding the silver lining in someone disappearing? Lucky for us, we have licensed marriage and family therapist and dating coach at eHarmony, Melanie Hirsch, in to discuss ghosting, why it happens and why it's good, how we can fail-proof our communication and dating, why our limiting beliefs impact our dating success, and what we can do to build dating resilience. Melanie Hirsch is a psychotherapist turned dating coach who teaches singles how to rewire the unconscious patterns that have been preventing them from having the love they want. Melanie believes that dating and relationships are some of the most powerful catalysts for personal growth. Her unique approach blends psychology, spirituality, and energetics to help her clients increase their self-esteem, know their worth, and easily attract healthy love into their lives. Her work has been featured in Oprah's O Magazine. I mean, not a big deal at all. Oh, wait. And by not a big deal, we mean huge. She's making ghosting friendlier than Casper. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show, Melanie. Okay, first of all, we have to ask you, are you single, taken, or it's complicated? I am currently single. Okay. And are you, I mean, this sounds like an odd question because we always say on this show, like, single does not equal bad that everyone feels like when you're single, people have to ask you, well, how come you're not in a relationship? Or it's like, well, what if I want to be single? But then sometimes you're like, you know what? I'm single and I actually don't want to be single, but we're going to ask you, are you happy being single? Are you enjoying it? Are you like actively looking? What steps are you in right now? Oh my God. I'm so happy (laughs) where I am right now. I am. Yeah. I'm single. I'm not looking that much right now. My life feels so full. I've got so much love in my life. I'm actually really close with a couple of my exes that I see regularly. So I get that connection and that sort of intimacy of, you know, being around people that really know me and that masculine energy. So I'm in a good spot. If, you know, the right thing popped up, I would, I'd pursue it, but I'm not, I'm not hardcore looking just because I feel pretty, pretty fulfilled. 
That's a great spot to be in. And also like sometimes when it's like that and you're in like that really good spot, that's when like that great energy of someone else comes into your life. And of course you're at the leisure to decide if you want to take that in or if you want to keep it like, you know, more friendly or whatever. But it's usually, I think when people are feeling really happy and wherever they're at, wherever, whatever that is, whether it's like happy in work or whatever, then you're like going to get the promotion. It's, it's those moments where you feel really good and confident and like at peace, I think where you attract other people like that. And then it's kind of hard to ignore like, Oh, well this really cool person just came in my life. Like, do I get into this relationship or not? If that did happen to you, you would be like, not hesitant or you would be like, okay, I guess I pursue this because you can't deny that, right? Yeah. If someone great came came in, absolutely. I, I would love, you know, I would love to partner up with someone amazing and explore. But yeah, I'm just not, I'm not actively looking. There's no pain around it for me, which is, I so agree. It's such an ideal place to be because A, you feel amazing, <laughs> you feel good. And then also you you know, you end up attracting in your, your energy is good, you know, because you're so relaxed. You end up attracting in people pretty easily when you're not, you know, so hungry for it. Right. Totally. That makes so much sense. And I think, well, we'll talk about COVID in a bit and how that's affected things, but that was what was challenging during COVID because we were only left to apps. If we wanted to meet someone, you weren't just like bopping around, smiling, living your best life, radiating (laughs) happiness and bringing people in naturally, you would have to use the little bit of an unnatural method to go about meeting somebody and make more of a concerted effort, kind of like what you're saying, and manufacture the connection. So before we get into all of that, we have to ask you, what inspired you to go from being a psychotherapist to a dating coach? Because it sounds like that's a pretty substantial career to go from that to, you know, guiding people in this more romantic focused area. Yeah. But like also, I mean, I, I know that it sounds like a far kind of a jump, but like what a great, I mean, if you're going to pick a dating coach, guys, pick someone who's a psychotherapist because hello, (laughs) like what an amazing foundation to have to like help people in these like vulnerable times. Right. I mean, it's gotta be a good foundation to have. No. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I have that background. It's definitely, it's served me so much in, in supporting my clients and moving through the stuff that's keeping them stuck, you know? So it's nice to have that background. Um, for me, yeah, I was, I was in private practice and I, I had, well, first let me say this. I always struggled in this area. So I was always attracting in unavailable men and just, I suffered in this realm and I was comparing myself with other people. I was insecure. So it was really an area of struggle for me. And because I'm such a personal growth geek, I just put so much time and energy into trying to figure it out. Like what is going on here that I, you know, my life is pretty great on all these levels, but I can't seem to bring in a healthy relationship. So I put a lot of time and energy into working on that. And as soon as I started figuring out some ways to move through some of my stuck places and things started to change, I started bringing that to a lot of my clients in my psychotherapy practice who happened to be a lot of single women. And they started using the tools I was giving them and, you know, making progress, meeting their partners. It was, it was so wild to see. And so I just, 
I knew this is the area I want to focus on. I mean, I turned it around for myself. I was helping my clients turn it around. So I went that route and eHarmony was hiring for a while, um, dating, they were hiring licensed therapists to be dating coaches and matchmakers. And I thought, well, this is a great way to try it out on a deeper level. So I did that and it was just such a perfect fit. So I decided I'm going, I'm going all in. <laughs> I just really want to serve people in this area. We love to hear that, especially because we think and why we started the show is that everyone's main focus usually stems from loving or being loved. And having that be, you know, some sort of priority, like you even mentioned that you feel fulfilled because you have some form of loving relationships with people that you're not necessarily romantically involved with now, but you get the sense of connection from somewhere. So we started the show because it just becomes what everybody always talks about. You know, even when we talk to guys, like guy friends, they always bring it back to dating and relationships and Mm -hmm. some advice they need. So we started the show for that reason. And it sounds like all like many of your conversations went in that direction as well. So how do you blend psychology, spirituality and energetics to help your clients increase their self-esteem, know their worth and easily attract healthy love into their lives? What are those tools? Oh my gosh, I wish I could just give you all the tools right here, but it's it's a whole it's a whole thing, but um which I map out in, you know, my group coaching program. I've got like, you know, there's 12 weeks of going through all the tools and all that. So so one of the main things that I focus with my clients on is working on their limiting beliefs because I find that so many of our struggles start with limiting beliefs that we've picked up over our lives and really are driving the car. And they're driving us directly to people that mirror our beliefs back to us and and reflect them back. So, um, you know, when people feel like I'm not worthy of a great relationship or maybe I'm not enough in some way or dating's hard or there's not a lot of good guys out there, those beliefs cause people to shrink and, and, you know, clench. And so part of the work that I think is so important to do when you're single is make sure that you don't have any negative or limiting beliefs that are living in your system and hijacking you and drawing in people that, that will mirror them. So that's, that's a really important one. And those are, I mean, of course, like, having insecurities, like to some extent, like there's healthy insecurities, right? Because if you've got like none, then what does that start to borderline on? Like, I don't know, I'm I'm speaking out of turn here, but like narcissism or something like that. Like, (laughs) of course you want to, you want to have some sort of like healthy insecurities that are like live on a normal level. But like, it's when they start to feel like they're getting a little bit out of control because everyone's going to have moments of like, oh, I'm not sure. Or, you know, I think that's kind of normal, right? Yeah. I mean, I think as humans, we are just, we have, there's insecurities that can come up in different areas, right? So I think that that's really normal. But when, when you, when the foundation of your house is, is like a layer of insecurities about your worthiness and what's possible and, and you're, that's what you're building your house on, uh, it's not stable. And so it's not, it's not a stable place either to build a relationship from. So making sure that you, you know, take a good look at, are there some big insecurities or fears or scarcity mindset that, that I need to look at and move through? That is a game changer. 
because dating, there's so many variables in dating. I mean, there's your own insecurities and there's the people that you're dating and Lord knows what they bring to the table. And a lot of the times we end up blaming ourselves for like, we're going to get into if someone, let's say ghosts you, like suddenly it's because you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough, or you didn't sleep with them fast enough or you, or whatever you're going to tell yourself. And that is obviously dependent on the insecurities that live inside your brain, or maybe potentially like something that a girlfriend told you before. Now you've got that thing in your head, like you're searching for an answer. And a lot of the times, like if you have more of a solid foundation, I feel like those thoughts might cross your mind, but you're going to be a little bit more secure and go, you know what? It could have been any of those things, or maybe it's not. That person might just be going through something and it obviously didn't work out for a reason. So we're going to move on. And that's easier said than done because if you're dating someone like for a shorter amount of time, it's a little easier to tell yourself that. But if it's like Mm -hmm. something more serious, it's harder to sort of rationalize that because it feels worse. Right. But I think like, this is something that people worry about a lot. And now that things are starting to open up again, because, you know, COVID is like on the, you know, decrease, thank God. Um, Do you believe that COVID has had some benefits in terms of the process of meeting like someone new? And then now, now that everyone's ready to meet someone new, like make sure you're, you're strong in that because you, your insecurity, you don't want that like that as your foundation. Yeah, well, I think COVID was, I think it's been great for dating in in that I think it forced a lot of people to have to kind of drop in and go a little bit deeper. I mean, people were meeting up on, you know, I was encouraging my clients, meet up on, you know, Zoom calls or FaceTimes or, you know, like you don't have to jump to meeting live for a first date. Like just get to, just talk to the person, just see if you click. And there was, you know, there wasn't the distraction of a concert or a movie or a, the things that we normally do, it's like you just, dates were about talking and connecting. And so, um, you know, and then, so I think that that was one benefit is like people were able to get to know each other more deeply because there weren't the typical distractions that we get in dating. Um, and I think people were also slowing down, you know, there's a lot of people that were slowing down physically and taking their time getting to know the person before hooking up. And I think that there's so many benefits to that. So um, yeah, I think it really served on a lot of levels. We agree. I mean, to some extent, um, with all the things that you said, and then also we have heard horror stories basically that came out of COVID dating or lack thereof and how it affected people's general mental health to kind of put dating Mm -hmm. on pause. and, And some people lacked creativity in terms of how to date virtually and didn't really feel like it was the sexiest of environments. And Mm. we also saw a lot of ghosting come out of it because people would in theory want to match, but then disappear because they were like, well, I don't know. Right now it just doesn't seem like a good time. So like they would chat and then just completely disappear. Now that being said, we know you have a stance on ghosting. Have you ever ghosted anyone? And if so, how did you do it? Oh my gosh. I, don't think that I've ghosted anyone. I just, because I, I would feel too bad. I feel like I need to, I would need to explain myself or say something. So I don't think I've ghosted people. Um, I, and it's such an interesting term. I, I've definitely, there have been people that haven't called me again, but it, to me, it doesn't even feel like ghosting. It's just like, it wasn't a connection. They didn't, they didn't call again because they weren't feeling it. And that's okay for me. I, I think there's this 
people, there's this weight on the word ghost. Oh, he ghosted. And, and sometimes I think it's used um, at times when it doesn't need to be used. It, it doesn't have to be some extreme thing. You might meet someone. They don't call you again. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like they don't owe you a call. Yeah, they're not your boyfriend at that point. So like, yeah. it doesn't make, like sometimes it, uh, giving someone an explanation can almost be awkward because it's like, whoa, sorry, we only went like out twice or even once. Like, I don't know that, or, or to like what Jen was saying, we haven't even gone out yet. So like, if I just disappear, it's, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I'm basically saying to you, like, I'm not feeling it anymore, but like, do you really want someone to say to you, Hey, I'm not feeling it anymore. Like, then you're like, no matter what, Honestly, I feel like no matter what, they can't win. Because if someone says to you, like, hey, I'm just not feeling it, you'd be like, ew, rude. And if someone doesn't call you back, you're like, ew, they ghosted. Sometimes it feels like people are just finding something to complain about. I think we just need to stop taking things so personally, too. Like, you know, when, when, when someone doesn't, you know, if someone tells us that they aren't interested the fa- the place that we can go to ooh you know ew like that's gross it's like I, I it's like we're taking it personally like they're doing something they're just trying to be probably polite you know I think e- everyone's doing the best they can and we're all messy humans so maybe we don't always do it right and I think if we take things less personally it just will make it so much easier but is there a certain time when you think that it actually does require um, some sort of conversation? Because I will give an example and you tell me what you think. Yeah. I went out with a guy at some point and on the date he was asking me about like scheduling our next date. And then we talked a bit. I went out of town. Um, we kept talking, talking, I guess, sort of like um, dwindled a little bit, but then we had like a a date scheduled. And so I reached out on the day the date was supposed to happen and hadn't heard from him in a couple of days, but like reached out to be like, Hey, how was the rest of your weekend? Um, still on for tonight. And I never heard back from him, but like I was under the impression we were having plans because it was a set day and we had discussed it. And then he literally never even said, no, we don't have a date or anything. So I wrote back saying like, okay, I'm going to interpret your silence as our date not happening, but you could totally have just said, I'm not interested anymore. Because for me, I schedule my week very according to like priorities. And I made time for that and didn't make other plans during that time. So it was a bummer to me that he couldn't just say like, hey, not interested or something came up, push it off. I don't really care what the reason is, but like, don't just radio silence. Well, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, sorry to interject for one second, Jen, because you made a point to say like, that was disappointing to me because I schedule my weeks and I made time for you. And while that's, I'm, that is totally how Jen works. She is very much like that, but there could be somebody listening who's like, well, does that not give me the right to be upset because I'm literally doing nothing all week? I'm <clears throat> by myself and bored as hell, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to go out with this guy, and he didn't want to go out with me, so I was disappointed. Point being is, no matter what the reason is, there can be a million reasons for why that's disappointing. You can also just be like, listen, dude, I'm just saying, Jen, what if you said, hey, I don't have anything going on. I was really just looking forward to meeting you. Like, now I'm bummed. Like, it could just be that, too. Like, it it's kind of rude, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's disrespectful. Yeah. It's disrespectful to, to ask a woman out, make plans and then not 
cancel and not respond to her. Did he ever write back? No, he didn't. I mean, yeah. I think at that point where I sort of educated him on communication, he was like, well, there's no reason to write back to this person who's a communication, right. like, I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah. so I, I I get why he didn't. It just sucked that like the respect part wasn't there. And I personally for, you know, I don't care who the person is, but I give respect to people's time and energy. So even if I'm not oh. interested I don't have to tell them why, but I might yeah. just say something, you know, whatever the case may be. I actually had a guy cancel on me ahead of the date, a day in advance, because he said he actually had an issue that I wasn't vaccinated and it triggered him because his ex, his last relationship ended because the person was anti-vax and gave me a whole thing. He's like, it's not you. It's definitely some baggage I need to work through and unravel within my mind. Just wanted to give you a heads up so you could like make plans. Yeah. Yeah. That was so nice. Uh, Yes. And I also thanked him for being a healthy human being by canceling in advance of going out because don't drag me into your drama. Yeah, exactly. And I like that he had a boundary. Like he knew what made him comfortable, what made him not, you know, uncomfortable. I, I think that's totally respectful. I think, yeah, if, if someone, it's like when someone cancels and, or doesn't say anything, um, that's the part that's, it feels really, really disrespectful. However, I think that a lot of people, there's that disappointment um, that a lot of people get. And then they get like kind of angry with the person, like, how could they and all this stuff. And I think that when someone goes, it's, it's actually great because they're letting you, they're showing you who they are. Like you, if they hadn't ghosted, you would have gotten involved with this person and then found out they're like that. Like someone who literally disappears on you, like you've been talking with them, they set up a date with you and they don't show up. Like that is not someone that you want to bring into your life as a partner. You know, like that, that person does not, they're not respectful. And so I think that sometimes ghosting is great because it's eliminating people that are not the right fit for you early on. And we want that, you know, we don't want to waste time on the wrong people. So I always say, lower your expectations. Don't create stories about what this person could be or what the potential is. Hold it all really lightly in the beginning. And then when someone disappears, it's like, oh, guess that's not a good fit. Look, this is not the person for me. Moving on. You know, it just, it can be a lot lighter when our expectations are down and we kind of look at it through that lens. So Melanie, help. I mean, this will help me too, just in general, because I have a hard time, but just our listeners to understand the difference between like letting your expectations down, like you just said, and like lowering your standards, because that could get a little confusing for people. Like, I know there's a difference, but I think that boundary gets blurred. Like, what is the difference between just like, I guess like not letting your excitement take over and like tell, like you said, telling yourself a story and then like lowering your standards because you feel like you just need to like accept whatever's coming your way. So you're not alone. No, no. So yeah, there's, I am definitely, I, I will say don't lower your standards. (laughs) Like, like what, you know, it's so important to know what's important to you, like what you need to have in a relationship to be happy and to make sure that you're using that as a compass when you date, that you're, you're making sure that you're dating people that kind of, that, that show they have the qualities that you're looking for. And so you definitely don't want to lower your standards 
in that way. Um, you know, be true to yourself, know what's important to you and go for that. I think the part to simmer down on is the stories we start creating early on. And I remember, I mean, I did this all the time. As soon as I met someone who I was really interested in, and there weren't a lot of them. So when a good one came up, I was like, oh God, this is so great. And, and I would just go into story mode. My mind would start creating stories of like, what's possible? And oh my God, I looked at these pictures with his kids and they're so cute. And I can just see us in Hawaii. And I mean, you know, the mind just goes off. And I think that's where we need to chill out because until we really know someone, we don't know them. And so like, it's so easy to to jump, to have these expectations and these thoughts of what he's going to be like and what your connection is going to be like. But until you've actually really spent some quality time with someone for a while, we don't know people. So I always say just drop the story, catch your mind when your mind starts spinning out and, and thinking about things and just bring it back down and go, let me just get curious. Let me just be present and get curious about who this person is and who we are right now. I don't know them. So more to be revealed. Right. And I think leading from that place of more to be revealed. I don't really know this person. Let's see. That makes it so much easier because then if he doesn't show up in a way you want, or he doesn't call, or you see some things that you don't like, you don't have this huge letdown. Yeah, because you're telling yourself, I don't really know this person and I would like to get to know them, but I don't know them yet. So let that discovery occur before I'm in Hawaii with him and his kids. Yeah, exactly. And you can be excited. Like I've definitely been, I've, you know, met guys online before and thought, this seems like a really interesting guy. Like I'm excited to meet him. He's attractive. Like this will be really fun. But I don't go into story mode. I'm very much aware that. I only know one layer of him. And so until we meet and until we meet again and again and again, I don't really know. So I stay out of story now and that makes dating so much more fun. I can imagine. I would go into story <laughs> mode like that. I am in a relationship now, but like story yeah. mode was my jam. So was it? Yeah, you could relate. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, that's how I got excited about somebody. So like then I kind of like, that's why I asked that question because it's kind of hard to get excited it would be hard for me to get excited without like then being getting excited about something and that thing was in the future. So I couldn't just be excited. Living in the moment is hard for me. So I think that's mm. why, because I'm either like worrying about something that already happened or like thinking about something that might happen. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. hard because my anxious brain kind of takes over. But that is like, I think had I known that, like, don't get into story mode. I don't really know this person. I just be more present. That would have just saying those three things would have helped. And I think could help yeah. other people in the moment to just check yourself. Like, do you know what? And then it, and then because we've had conversations with our girlfriends, Jen and I, like when girls get so upset because this guy didn't like say the right thing on a date and you're like, dude, he doesn't know you. He's not your boyfriend. <laughs> like, sorry, he wasn't funny enough for you. Or he didn't say that. Like, it's not like, you can't expect that. He's not your boyfriend. He's not going to like roll the red carpet out for you until you're like in a committed relationship. That would be weird. Right. Totally. Actually, I think to that point, less is more before you meet up in person. Like, I know we want to get off the apps and into texting and off texting and into real life. But if you're doing a lot of conversation over, I think, text and these apps, 
there's a lot that can be miscommunicated in terms of, you know, you don't know each other's senses of humor and how you use emojis and how you talk about things and all of that jazz. So like, I think people end up ghosting because they see something they don't like and make a snap judgment. And you don't even necessarily get your, you know, you don't get to the in-person part because somehow it's been derailed before you even, you know, lift off. And so maybe there's kind of a limiting of the like prior communication that can be done to get you to the date quicker and actually get a sense for who this person is. And then hopefully a second date, a third date, and then they start to really care about who you are and are invested in your life and roll out that red carpet. But all of that being said, how can we fail proof our communication in dating? Because it seems like no matter what you say, you're wrong. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, we are all like what you're saying. It's like, we're quick to judge. And so even this whole making someone wrong thing, I think we're so quick to jump on people uh, for saying or doing the wrong thing. And again, I think we're all doing the best we can. And I just a little bit of compassion for people. is good. Like their process. I mean, I think when it comes to communication, um, it's so important and this is such a basic thing, but talking about, you know, it's the I statement thing. It's talking about things from how you're experiencing them or how you're feeling, what you're noticing within yourself, what you're worried about. Like talking, speaking from your experience versus making it about them and you did this thing. Like for instance, if a man, let's say he sets up a date and then he cancels sort of last minute and goes, oh yeah, I've got this other thing, but let's schedule later. You know, like let's say he's kind of blowing you off and he's not being really solid in his plan setting. Uh, one woman might say, this is just, you know, this is bullshit. Like you're totally blowing me off. Like this is so, this is so lame. Like you obviously don't care about how I feel, blah, blah, blah. And she might make him wrong and attack him. And someone else might be able to say to this guy, hey, I totally get you've got a lot going on. And I know for me, like if I'm making plans, I have a schedule that I stick to and I, I, I build my life around the plans I have. So it's important for me when I make plans that we can like lock it in, you know, make sure that, you know, we lock that in and that we communicate about it. Does that work for you? Or do you feel like you just kind of need to flow with your week and, you know, all of that? Now that guy is not going to feel as attacked because you're saying like, this is what I need. Does that work for you? Because I know I know I need that, you know. Um, does that work for you? And if it doesn't work, that's fine. We're probably not a good match dating-wise. <laughs> if it's going to be hard for you to make plans, we're probably not going to be a good fit. So it's like communicating about, you know, you're coming from your experience versus like, I can't believe you did that. That's so wrong. Like women plan and shaming them. That like just if if, if people can make that shift and not blame or shame, but talk about what they need and what's important to them or what their experience is, that makes communication so much easier and smoother. Yeah, because what, that. Does it serve, what does it serve to like get mad and blame and shame? And, and of course, we're human. You can have a moment where you're like, really? That sucks. But then you're yeah. like, okay, you know what? Hold on. Stop that. Yeah, it does suck. I'm disappointed. But 
again, we don't really know each other, or maybe you do, and this is a problem that you need to work out, but we're living in the world where you're like discovering each other still. So we don't really know each other. I think it's important for me to talk about how I work and what I need in order to see if we're a good fit and to keep the lines of communication open. Because if you just blame and shame, first of all, as a psychotherapist, like where is that coming from? And then also what purpose is that? Like what's, what does that do? Yeah. I mean, I think that we feel better about ourselves. Like it takes away hurt when we blame and shame. It's like, we're, we're making ourselves better. It's like, you've done this thing, you wrong person. And I have not done this thing. And, and it kind of separates us. Like if we feel hurt by someone, we can attack them, blame and shame. We feel better about ourselves and now we've made them wrong. So they're, they're the villain and we're the good guy and we can walk out with our head high. And I think, you know, a lot of us pick it up. We pick it up as kids. We, our parents do it or, you know, in the schoolyard and we just pick it up in life and it can spew out. But it doesn't, It like, we don't grow from blame and shame. Like, has, has anyone ever, you know, attacked you and said really cruel things and you were like, oh, I'm going to use this and grow now? No. It's like when, when we feel attacked, we contract, we you know, kind of go inside and we want to like leave that person as soon as possible and get away from their blaming, shaming energy. So I think the more we can talk to each other respectfully and be honest and transparent and, you know, kind, uh, it's just, it's a healthier way. People, the people that we're talking to will be able to receive it and really take things in when we're speaking to them respectfully. And and our, you know, we'll feel better energetically when we're not coming from that place. Yeah, that's majorly helpful because I think people get like stuck in that trap trying to make themselves feel better because it hurts and it really just does no good. Like you really don't do any growing and don't tr- tell yourself the story that like I'm teaching them a lesson because you're not. You're just making them, like you said, contract and like shrink and not, you know, you're, they're not going to be like, oh, she's right. Or he's right. Like, they're just going to be like, oh, that was rude or whatever. Then they're going to tell themselves something different. So you don't have control over what they're thinking just because you're telling yourself like, it's okay if I shame this person because I'm like teaching them what to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I see women, I see this so often, women blaming and shaming men. And it's, it's, uh, you know, when they're upset, when they're disappointed, when their expectations haven't been met. And I think this is a pattern that we, it's so important to stop. You know, it's energetically, it's not good energy. And there's a different way to do it that's just so much healthier and that really serves everyone. So, I mean, I could go off on this topic forever because I think it's so important. I mean, it makes sense if you're trying to help, let's just say, women find men. Like, if they're coming from a place where they're like blaming and shaming men, like, they're not going to enter into trying to find a man in a positive light if that's the place they're living in. Like, they're always going to find something. You have those friends who like complain about shit all the time, and you're like, well, you're just going to keep complaining about stuff. Like, you're never going to see the good. You're always looking at the glass half empty, and it's kind of like annoying. So, it's hard to even give advice. And you, as a dating coach, like, I'm sure you're trying to like optimize online dating experiences or in-person dating experiences, but people are still doing a lot of online stuff because yes, we're opening up, but that's like where a lot of things start and COVID is still kind of here. So people are a little nervous. Like with all that said, like what are some strategies that can kind of help with the online dating? Cause we're talking about ghosting. We're talking about communicating that's got to come in there. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, strategies for online dating. I mean, I just think I am a huge fan of online dating. I think it's it just there's so many people out there doing it. And um, I think there's a lot of people that are afraid of it or it just feels overwhelming. They don't know how to deal with it. It just sounds scary. Um, but it's such a great resource, and especially in these times. So um, I think it's so important. One thing I'll, I'll share that I think is really important is, you know, on online dating, um, making sure that you're picking, you're, you're, you're picking well, and um, you're picking based on someone's values and the things like, what am I trying to say? Making sure that the other person has values and a similar lifestyle in a way that really matches up with yours. Not so much picking from like, oh, you like Ray LaMontagne? I love Ray LaMontagne. You love Tuesday Tacos or Taco Tuesday, whatever it's called? I love Taco Tuesday. Like a lot of people are picking from just like, you know, what the person looks like and, oh, we have similar hobbies. We, I like hiking. You like hiking. But that, you know, what you get is someone that has similar hobbies. It doesn't tell you anything about who the person is or what your potential uh, connection would be like. I think it's way better when you're online dating to really pay attention to, like, what did this person write? What are they revealing about themselves? Like, do I get a sense that this is a really good human? Um, like, have they shown any of their values in what they've written? Uh, and, and really hone in on some of those deeper things. I think when you can do that and you have your profile optimized and you're sharing about what you value, that's such an, it's such a great way to draw in high quality people when you're paying attention to those things and you're approaching online dating from that kind of lens. Totally agree with you. And I think everyone has probably said very similar things as far as like how to approach your profile, like make it more about you because that'll weed out the other people. But like, what about when you put in your profile what you're looking for and you fill out all of the cells and you really put effort in and mm -hmm. For some reason, maybe it comes off as being needy or having too high of expectations, whereas other people write really short prompts or make jokes or treat it a little bit more, you know, casually. Does that make you too needy or does that mean that you're actually putting out, you know, what you expect to receive and should keep doing that? Well, you don't have to be needy when you're sharing, like sharing what's important to you doesn't have to equal neediness, you know, like I might share that I'm, you know, I'm super, that I'm like really into personal growth and development. And I, you know, what, what interests me is being with, um, is connecting with other people that are really passionate about personal growth that are, you know, into healthy communication and, you know, things like that. Like that's not, to me, that's not needy. It's like, this is who, this is who I am. This is what's important to me. Either that's something that resonates with you or it's not. If I said on my profile, I need you to call me every day, every day if we're together and I need you, I mean, then it's needy. But I think you're allowed to have needs and things that are important to you without being needy. I think there's a big difference between having needs and neediness. And there's ways to, you know, compose those things that you're sharing about yourself, like on your dating profile, so that when 
you actually meet the person and you're in lines of personal communication on date number like four and five that you can, you have conversation starters to get to the like, yes, I'm the type of person who likes to communicate every day. Like does that mm-hmm. work the schedule or, you know, um, then things like that can come out, but it's not something that needs to be said like on the dating profile because, you don't want to overwhelm somebody with something. It's just like saying to somebody, well, they're not going to roll the red carpet out for you. They don't know you. They're not your boyfriend yet. You're not their girlfriend yeah. yet. So yeah. those things don't need to be discussed. But a precursor to something that's like very important or a deal breaker to you could be composed in a like a way that sort of states who you are and what you like. And then when you get to know this person, those things will come up naturally in conversation. Because a lot of people use dating app profiles as conversation starters, correct? And like, don't you think you should put things in there that would like prompt conversations to get to know somebody better? Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, there's a, you know, I think that you're writing things that really show what you value, what's important to you, what lights you up. And then if both people are writing about what lights them up, what's important to them, then yeah, you absolutely, you have great conversation starters. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that that's, it's so important, um, so important to be able to share those things and pick from that place as well. Because it's, it's so easy. I see so many women swiping yes on guys and, uh, and they go out with them and then they're like, oh, it wasn't a fit or he ghosted. And, and I'm like, well, what did he write in his pro? Can I see his profile? You know, like, I want to see what you said yes to. And he's like, oh, he didn't really write anything. Or, you know, he, he just wrote a, a one line of like, you know, something cheesy or whatever. It, that's, it's so important to make sure that you're picking well. Um, and I, and I always say, it's like, if a woman is having a lot of shitty dates and she's meeting a lot of guys, uh, that the dates just don't go well, well, you're picking those people. So it's really important to look at how are you picking them and to make sure that you have a good strategy. Cause obviously what you've been doing hasn't been working. So I think by just shifting sometimes your strategy, how you're approaching online dating, what your profile is, that stuff can make such a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. And you got to like take responsibility for yourself and your actions and then don't take things too personally. I know we covered a ton, but I think the general tips and tricks that you've given us are like a really nice jumping off point for people who are getting back in the dating world and are a little bit nervous about it. And if anyone listening is still needy after listening to this episode, which you may be because Melanie has so many things that you want to dive a little deeper into. If someone wants to work with you, Melanie, how should they go about doing that? Yeah. Well, they can find me. You can message me on Instagram. I'm at Melanie Hirsch or my website is goodatyou.com. And uh, yeah, I've got, I offer these little 30 minute, um, you know, spots, you know, I call them blind spot eliminator sessions, where if you're kind of curious and you're going, I'm not sure what I'm doing that's getting in my way, but I want to figure this out, um, we can hop on the phone and, and chat about it. Wow. Well, if somebody listening doesn't take you up on that, I don't know <laughs> what they're doing, but they're not going to get better at this dating stuff. So everyone obviously follow Melanie, reach out to her for those 30 minute blinder, you know, I want one at this point. (laughs) Hello, what's happening here? Hello, let's book a call. Yes, yes. Exactly. 
So thank you so much, Melanie, for joining us. Um, Everyone will obviously need to get in touch. And everyone listening, also remember to tune in to It's Complicated, where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And if you want to join the class of master daters, obviously don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and find It's Complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment and tell a friend. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. You can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets. Love you long time. You're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now it's complicated. <laughs>